Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Hey, let's go. There's going to be a lot of traffic on the way to the game. Ah, uh, don't worry. I got Bruins plates. People get out of my way. Au revoir. Have a good game. Great plates. I want them too. Are you even rolling up to dry? Very well done for the guy who's going to join us to talk hockey this season every Thursday. Andrew Raycroft of Nesson is with us on the Harbor One Hotline. Also, close, close personal friend of Greg Hill and the Greg Hill Show. Razor, good morning. Do you still get the the butterflies when the season's about to start? Or have you now just become one of us media people where it's like, all right, I guess I got to go back to work tomorrow? Yeah, I get I get more butterflies listening to that commercial being played on the radio than I do for the start of the season. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a media slub now for sure, but. Uh, it's been exciting. It's exciting. Uh, the last couple of nights have been exciting to see hockey on real national television again. That's been exciting for me. And uh, I think this Bruins team should be exciting as well with all the, the great sports lines going on in Boston right now. I think you can add the Bruins to that. Now, is this team better than they were last year? Because they brought back a lot of the same guys, but of course, no Tuca, no Krejci. Tried to replace those guys a little bit. Are they better? Uh, I'm going to answer that two different ways, which might sound being on the fence, but I'm trying not to be. Up front, they're much better. I love the depth pieces, Halla, Nosek, Foligno. The depth up front is night and day from what we saw. The fourth line so much better. I believe the third line is going to be much better with Jake DeBrusque and Hall and Foligno. So I love what they've done up front. I think the big question mark is always the goaltending and, and I know Tuca's story here. I know the his ability to put people 50-50 in his corner. Uh, but the, at the end of the day, he's the franchise leader in wins. He's a perennial all-star. He's always in the Vesna Trophy mix. So when you take a guy like that out of your lineup and you have two new goaltenders, it's hard to say you've gotten better. I like Allmark. I love Swayman. I'm just a little – I want to wait a little bit to really judge those guys after the, the first 10 games, let's say. Okay, so if you're making the call, how do you rotate the goaltenders, at least to start the season? Well, yeah, it's and it's it might not be a straight rotation. I think it's one of the – you don't want either one of those guys sitting on the bench for more than four games, though. So if, if Allmark, for instance, gets on a run and wins two or three games in a row – Perfect. Let's let him win two or three in a row, and then let's get Swayman in, or vice versa. So I think you're going to see quite a bit of them. I think listening to Bruce Cassidy, they have a schedule in place, at least for the first month of how they want these guys to play. You're obviously not going to see either one of those guys play in a back-to-back situation. Three and four, you're going to be able to rotate. And, and again, what we haven't seen in the last year and a half is travel. And it, it was pretty easy last season just to go to New York basically every trip, every road trip to New York. Uh, now you're going to be traveling, you're on planes, you're different time zones, so you have to manage a little bit that way as well. 
Now, Andrew, as you know firsthand, as Tuka Rask is well aware of, being the goalie in Boston can be a, uh, a pretty uh, critical spot at times. A lot of fans will put the loss all on you, even if it's not your fault. Any idea if that's something that Olmark, who has spent his entire career in Buffalo, is 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 he up for that? Like, do you have any any insight into his personality? Uh, it seems to be he's an even keel guy, but the reality is, and and I, it's funny. I always hear guys say, "Yeah, I understand the pressure of playing in a Boston or original sixth place," but until you've done it, you have no idea. You, it, it's it, you cannot. You guys say it all the time, and I hear guys say it. It always makes me laugh because. Until you've lost three in a row and you have the fans booing you or cheering you for the one random save you've made that center ice, uh, that's when it really rubber hits the road. So, so I, I think he does have a good personality. I think he's been on a team and he's faced enough adversity in this league being on that Buffalo Sabres team that he will be able to, to look past the media and look past the fans the way Tuca has. But, again, until you get punched in the mouth, you're not really sure how you're going to react. What is the worst feeling, Andrew, getting booed, or is it the fake cheer on the easy save? Oh, the fake cheer is the worst. It's the worst. And it's so frustrating, and it makes you so mad because you know it's coming, too. Like, the dump in from center ice, you know halfway in, I'm going to get the the, the Bronx jeers on this one. And it is the worst. And and you just want to shoot the puck into the sand. (laughs) <laughs> and you rake out on everybody yeah, oh, exactly. that is, have you ever had one slide by where it went from <laughs> oh i'm expecting the cheer to oh my god i might as well break my stick no no, no but uh certainly you know it's coming even on the or the first shot that goes in uh and then you know you're gonna hear it the rest of the game or at least the rest of the first period that that's brutal too all right, so how do you see second-line center? I know there were open auditions, uh, and I know, like, Stadnika is going to go back to Providence. you got Charlie Coyle in there. How do you see second-line center shaking out at least early on? It's Charlie Coyle's gig. The way he played even in the last preseason game, I know it's preseason, but he'd been out of training camp, and, and you saw the what he brought to that line. And, and again, I... I still think that it's Taylor Hall's line, no matter who the center is. I think that's a Taylor Hall-driven line. But I think Charlie Coyle being there, letting Hall and Smith be the speed on the wings. Charlie Coyle's faster than David Krejci, so I think they're going to play with more pace than what you saw the David Krejci uh, cerebral plays at the blue line. So I think, I think it works. I think it's going to work. It's going to move around. And listen, all four centers aren't playing all 82 games. And that's my big question mark is Patrice Bergeron's not going to play 82 games this season with an Olympics and the, it's just not going to happen. And who fills into that number one role? Is that a Jack Studnika role when he gets called up? Does he go to the first line? Do they move Charlie Coyle? How does that work? That'll be just as interesting. I think where they are now slotted the, right off the bat really works well. It's when one of these guys comes out of the lineup how the how the how you move guys around, shuffle them around. That'll be interesting. When David Krejci first announced that he was going to go play in the Czech Republic, I thought, oh, you know, that's too bad. He and uh, and Hall were really good together, but okay, great career, and you know, thanks for your time. But his name keeps getting brought up, and people they keep asking Sweeney about him, they keep asking Cam Neely about him. Should Bruce fans hold out any kind of hope that Krejci may return at some point this season, or is this guy just done? 
I, I have a hard time seeing it happen, having him come back. It, I think a lot of that is when, when a player has been here 15, 16 years, you talk about him until the first game. And then once we get through three or four or five games, mm. come March, we're not really going to be thinking about David Krejci and where there's going to be so many storylines, so many other issues. So I think that's more a product of because he's been here for so long that it's easy to keep asking that question. But it, it, it's a lot to come all the way back from going home and, and get jumping back in the lineup. The NHL moves very quickly. And once you're out of it, it's really hard to get your foot back in, even for a guy of Krejci's status. Andrew, Jake DeBrus, good preseason, bullish, bearish. Where are you at on him? I know where Bruins fans are, but where are you at on him? (laughs) I'm bullish. I am bullish. I I was a little bearish on his play last season at times. There's no question about that. But I think he gets a huge, fresh, fresh start. He gets a new centerman. He gets to be on the third line. We just talked about Taylor Hall. He's playing behind Brad Marshall and Taylor Hall uh, on the left. He's going to get good matchups, especially at home when you can roll him out against the third pairing unit. I think he's going to that line is going to have the opportunity to create offense. I think when guys get fresh starts in the same place, it doesn't happen often. Typically, when you've had the season, the year and a half that Jake DeBrusque has had you move on to another team, whether that's a new contract, whether that's getting dealt. And I think he's got a great opportunity to to recapture himself and reinvent himself and restart himself. So I'm I'm bullish on it. I think he's got a good opportunity to to bounce back and really reset his career trajectory. Charlie McAvoy is in the last year of his deal. He is a restricted free agent after this season, but – Don Sweeney has found a way to get a lot of great players at, I would say, a reduced hometown discount type price. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it with McAvoy. And some of the reporting out there is he's looking for nine plus million a season. Uh, do you think Sweeney will end up giving him that deal? I mean, this guy's wealth management guy must not be sleeping at night because he is getting solicited all over the place. So for someone to handle his money. So whoever's handling his money now better be living in McAvoy's bathroom because <laughs> he's going to get paid in a big way. And I, there's, I suppose there's an opportunity for a bit of a discount. And listen, if I'm Charlie McAvoy, I'm listening to guys tell him that, listen, the grass isn't greener. You don't want to make an extra million dollars to lose 70 games a season. That's not worth it. It really isn't. It's a long NHL season doing that. But at the same time, when you're looking at an eight-year deal, you know, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars a year does start to add up. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you're talking about family and setting your grandkids up, that comes into play. So I, I do, I, I think a deal gets done. It's not going to be under the Patrice Bergeron cap of six million dollars. There's no question about that. But I think being in Boston and being, uh, having an opportunity to be a Boston Bruin captain. It is worth something on the on the back end. It's the first of our Thursday hockey chats with Andrew Raycroft, who joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. Thank you, Razor. We'll catch up with you soon. Have a good weekend. Yeah, you too, guys. Thanks.